Welcome to Catechesis, a digital outreach of First Presbyterian Church of LaGrange. Catechesis is Greek for teaching. That's precisely what we will do with this podcast. Take Christians back to their roots through spoken word and study. Here's your host, Pastor James Goodlett. Welcome to Catechesis, a production of Lewis and Broad Media. My name is James Goodlett. I am one of the pastors here at First Presbyterian Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Thank you for tuning in this week. If you would like to hear other podcasts of ours, just go to lewisandbroad.org and you will find a number of them, including our flagship production, the Lewis and Broad Podcast. Season three of Lewis and Broad has begun. We're two episodes in, and I can tell you our most recent episode was really, really, really fascinating, and uh, I would encourage you to listen to it. Also, would encourage you to mark your calendars for May the 1st from 2 to 6 p.m. Lewis and Broad will be hosting a concert called Listen LaGrange, a music festival to fight poverty. It will take place at Pure Life Studios here in LaGrange, featuring local singer-songwriters, and all proceeds from that Festival will go to Circles of Troop County, who are on the front lines in the fight against poverty. So, again, stay tuned for more information, but May the 1st from 2 to 6 p.m. Listen, LaGrange, it's going to be a fantastic day. Now, on to the text for our week, Luke chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. It is the third week of Lent 2022, and our theme for the year is Full to the Brim, Borrowing again from our friends at a Sanctified Art, I would commend them to you. You can find their resources at sanctifiedart.org. The scripture for this week, I will tell you, is not easy. It is, it is fascinating, but it is challenging as well. In some ways, it is classic Jesus. You get a little bit of his greatest hits in some ways with Luke 13, 1 through 9. You get him responding directly to a current event, an event that would have been threatening to him and to his people because that's the world that Jesus lived in. It was an ominous world. It was a threatening world. It was a world that had all the hallmarks and the stench of death, especially considering it directly affected his people, the Galileans. But not only is it a scripture in which Jesus responds to a current event, it is also a text in which Jesus offers up a parable. And you know, parables can be difficult. They can be hard to understand. They can be mysterious. And this one, if you were just to look at it separate from the actual text and the context, it would be even more hard to understand in light of the circumstances kind of parable. So let's, uh, let's dive in. There's a lot here. And, and I also want to say, uh, if you're not aware of Luther Seminary's workingpreacher.org, whether or not you are a preacher, if you're just interested in learning more about the scenes behind the scenes when it comes to the world of scripture, I I would encourage you to look at workingpreacher.org. There is always 
helpful information there when it comes to the lectionary texts for each week, including this week's read by Jeremy Williams, who is assistant professor of New Testament at Bright Divinity School on the campus of Texas Christian University. Professor Williams discusses Luke 13, 1 through 9, and when he does so, he notes the context surrounding Jesus's words. He states, and this is a direct quote from him, The event that sparks Jesus' response is Governor Pilate's execution of Galileans during some ritual practice. Such an event could have personally affected Jesus on multiple levels. First, he was a Galilean, which means that this violence impacted people from his neighborhood, people whom he could have known and grown up with. Second, Pilate was a direct appointee of the Roman Empire who had a track record for being a bloodthirsty, violent ruler. Pilate epitomizes the fear-inducing brutality that Roman provincial subjects, like Jesus, daily experienced directly or indirectly. His presence in this passage, Luke's earlier mention of him in chapter 3, and his eventual role in Jesus' execution— capture how Luke understands Pilate as Rome's representative in Judea. And third, the notion that Pilate mingled the Galilean's blood with sacrifices insinuates that Pilate violated the Galilean's ritual practice. Again, that is a direct quote from Professor Jeremy Williams at Bright Divinity School on the campus of TCU. In other words, what he's saying is what you have at stake here are some serious power dynamics. Pilate is an extension of empire in this scripture, and he is not afraid to flex his muscle. There are no boundaries that he wasn't willing to transgress, especially considering that he had the might of Rome backing him. What did he have to lose? If he wanted to send a message, he'd send it. And he would do so by any means possible. Again, this is the world that Jesus lived in. But it's not really a world that should be foreign to us here in the 21st century. Our world knows quite a bit about empire quite a bit about power, quite a bit about bloodshed. Think the news that we see every day now involving Russia and Ukraine. Or think the horrors that have been inflicted upon flesh and blood in the name of racism and bigotry. Or think of the lengths to which the centers of our world will go to oppress the marginalized. Jesus' world here in Luke is not terribly different than our own. And Jesus, when he spoke against those things, time and time again, It is not unreasonable for us to draw the conclusion that he would also be speaking against those very same kinds of things in our world. 
violence, oppression, empire. But here in the scripture in Luke 13, Jesus is also fielding a certain question. You can sense it behind the text, especially the first five verses of Luke 13. Did these Galileans suffer because of their sin? Was their punishment an extension or a result of the transgressions in their own lives? To which Jesus, rhetorically speaking, offers an emphatic no. Now listen, it would be easy for us to maybe sit here and read the scripture and say, come on now. That's not how God rolls. God doesn't punish us according to our sins. But I can tell you as a, as a pastor and a preacher, I've heard people do this. We have reasoned, I have done this, we reason that we are going through a certain experience, a certain difficult experience because we have done something wrong. And what Jesus is saying in this scripture is no. These things have happened. He doesn't offer a reason for him or an explanation for him. He simply says in his own way, no, I, I tell you, no. And then he pivots. He changes course a bit. He says, unless you repent, you will all perish the same way those Galileans did. And the same way a group of folks did when a tower fell upon them. And this is not to say Jesus' response here is repent and these terrible things won't happen to you. We don't know what will happen. We don't know when things will happen. But what we can know, what we can do, what we can control, Jesus says, is not what ultimately will happen to us, but what we do with the lives we have been given. And that's when he pivots to this parable. We can fight for justice. We can spit in the face of empire. We can reject the ways of the world that would have us do harm to one another. In other words, we can bear fruit. That is what we can do in the time we are given. We can bear fruit, which is a motif throughout the gospel of Luke. And so again, this is why you have this parable. Do not be like the barren tree. Use what you have at your disposal. Use the resources around you to do what you have to do to bear fruit in this world. Don't just take up space. Don't waste the soil in your lives. That is what you can do. That is what you can control. And let me also say another thing I love about the scripture in this parable. That tree, that fig tree that wasn't producing any fruit whatsoever, at least in the eyes of the owner, wasn't worth a thing. It was wasting space. It was wasting earth. Chop it down, the owner said. But what does the gardener do? 
the gardener fights for that tree. That gardener says, don't give up on it just yet. Give me a little bit more time. I'll dig around it. I'll put some manure around it. I'll let it breathe a little bit. If it bears fruit next year, great. If not, then you can cut it down. How many times have we played the owner? How many times have we just given up on someone and just wanted to turn our backs on them, get rid of them? How many times have we said, you know what, you're just wasting oxygen here? When in fact, that tree might just still have the potential because God has given it the potential to bear fruit. There is something there. There's a quote, it made me think of a quote from a movie called Seabiscuit, which is a story, maybe you've heard of this, this movie, this story. It's a story about a uh, down and out horse who captured the nature's attention in the early 20th century on the heels of the Great Depression. And it goes, this horse, which was fairly small in stature, didn't meet all the external criteria of a fine racehorse, especially when you ran it against War Admiral, which was the racehorse of the day. And I don't want to spoil what happens. But the point is this horse, Seabiscuit, didn't look like much. But its trainer said, you know, you don't throw a whole life away just because it's banged up a little. We don't give up on the trees that don't look like they have the capacity or the potential for bearing fruit. We are not the only ones called to bear fruit, but maybe we also are called to play the gardener and to do what we can to empower and enable others to bear fruit as well. How can we as individuals or as the church tend the soil, dig around, and give people some air so they can speak up? How can we fight the structural insufficiencies that stifle potential trees from bearing fruit? What can we do to fight for one another and be the gardener instead of the owner who just gives up. Which is to say, how can we, instead of focusing upon the death of others and why those deaths happen, what can we do to fight for and give way to life for ourselves, and for others. Life that bears all kinds of fruit. That wraps up Catechesis for this week. Again, check out our other podcasts on lewisandbroad.org.
and mark your calendars May the 1st, 2 to 6 p.m. Listen LaGrange, a music festival to fight poverty. If you have any questions or you want to engage us on any of these conversations, please check out our social media at Lewis and Broad. Until next week, as always, remember who and whose you are. Thanks for joining us this week at Catechesis. Be sure to follow along on our websites, lewisandbroad.org and fpclagrange.org. See you next week.